Well, hello there, friends. We're in our backyard, at least for now. We never stay put too long, do we? <laughs> no. We're in on the move. Orange County. It's a nice uh, late afternoon, and we've got the fireplace going, and we're glad you're here to join us. Yeah, for Orange County bo- with orange tree I behind mean, us. What else? This is not a green screen, friend. That's a real orange tree going on in winter as we're recording. But uh, it kind of feels nice to have you along with us. We're imagining that you're sitting there right across from us. We're having a little Bible study. What are we looking at today, Stacy? So we're looking at chapter two of our Protected Noggin with Jesus series, and this is this chapter is titled "Be Sassy." I like and, it. And we're we're using uh, Luke chapter five verses one through eleven. I'll go ahead and get started with reading it. Then it happened that a crowd was pressing in around him in order to hear the word of God, and he was standing along the banks of Lake Gennesaret. And he saw a couple of boats lying on the shore, but the fishermen had left to go clean their nets. Getting into one of the boats that happened to be Simon's, he asked for a little push out from the shore. Then sitting down in the boat, he taught the crowd. When he ended his talk, he said to Simon, push out into the deep end and toss your nets out for a catch. In response, Simon said, master, throughout the whole night we were toiling, but we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Doing this, they netted so many fish that the nets started to tear. So they waved to their friends in the other boat to come and help. They came and filled both boats until they started to sink. Seeing all of this, Simon Peter fell to Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. For he was astounded by the haul of fish they'd taken in. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee who were business partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. After bringing the boats to shore, they left everything behind and followed him. Now, this probably is familiar to some of you if you grew up in a church context. We, we had those flannel those flannel grams or whatever. Did you have that in Sunday school? I did. I did. Those little flannel boards. And so I can just picture right now the boat right there mm. and then all these fish. They can stick and around fun, there and you know, the other people, you know, you're going to have like, you know, Peter there, right? For me, I remembered it as kind of a boring story. Like, you know, there's stories about slaying wild beasts and uh, crossing <laughs> the, the high seas. And this is just kind of a little, a little fishing miracle. But it's a lot more than that. It's something that's, I think, very radical in what it's teaching. And it shows us something very unique about the way Jesus taught who he was teaching, and and really the message itself. Yeah, and the main point of this this study here, this this section, is that Jesus teaches with an authority that it does not depend on like some sort of official title per se. It's just the deep spiritual truth, and it's it's what inspires other people uh, to follow him in boldness um, and and not in fe- not in fear. Right. So it's yeah. like they understand that he's got this. There's a special. I don't want to say magic, but it is, you know, like this, this, he's got something going on. Mm-hmm. And this is something that in the classical world was really important, especially for the Romans. Now, Jesus isn't Roman, but he is in the shadow of that Roman authority. And very often, one of the things you wanted in society, if you were a high standing states person in, in Rome, you wanted to have that autoritas. You wanted to have this, um, this sense of having credibility and, distinction and that sort of thing. And people often would say when they heard Jesus talking, man, this guy talks as one who's got authority. He is an authority and yet he didn't have a title. He wasn't called Dr. Jesus. Sometimes people called him rabbi, which means teacher. So that's true. But he, he wasn't 
somebody who had this official authority in society. And that's what's the first thing I find really remarkable about, uh, remarkable about this. Mm-hmm. Let's back up for a minute because mm. sassy, be sassy. Mm. <laughs> when, yep. you, when you first mentioned that that's what you were thinking of for the title, and I was like, sassy, I don't like that word. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I, I guess when I think of sassy, I just kind of think of as like, you know, bratty, you know, mm-hmm. brattiness or whatever. You're but, spoiled. You need right, a little spanking or two. Right. But in the Oxford Dictionary, uh, sassy is defined as lively or bold and full of spirit. There's like a, a cheekiness to it, but there's, um, there's a confidence there. Right. And, and so I, and I think, and, and a little bit of a playfulness, right? Yeah. It's a playfulness that comes from not being terrified. It's a playfulness that comes when you realize that you've got everything handled. We sometimes say, we got this. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is sometimes, you know, we don't feel like we got this. A lot of times we don't feel like we got this at all. And I'm (laughs) sure you've got that feeling. But we're saying in a sense, remind yourself that you have a certain kind of authority, which we'll get to. You certainly have authority over your own life, your own self, Mm -hmm. your own um, ability to determine things that other people might want you not to do, right? They want to maybe control you, manipulate you, but you have this authority even if you don't feel it and you don't exude it, you know? And so sassiness to me is the mark of any student that I've had that I thought had, had done it right. That is either the parents taught them this, this kind of, inner strength, mm-hmm. or they somehow went out and grabbed that inner strength. Found it. Yeah, but sassiness is a really strong sign of, of, I think, emotional and mental health. It also relates to somebody having, you know, done their homework, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be constantly cowering in fear in a conversation if you really know what you're up to and what's going on. So sassiness, to me, relates to this idea that's really more of the idea that we're interested in, and that is boldness. And this boldness, yeah. yeah. And, and I know we've mentioned this before, but just sort of for review, for those of you also that maybe not, haven't heard it, is boldness, you know, there's a, there's a confidence that you have without fear. Sometimes you'll hear courage or boldness, and you kind of think of using them interchangeably, right? right. Well, courage is when you're overcoming your fear, and you're going to go and do something that you f- either feel like you have to or that you really want to do, but you're, you're, you know, you're kind of you're doing it with overcoming this, you know, this trepidation that you have and boldness on the other hand again is without the fear it's you have the confidence you know this is exactly what you should be doing or you know you feel you feel strong you feel there's a, there's a strength there I, I got a great example of this that I just thought of uh, because one of the things I like to do is have Stacy do the phone calls to people that are customer <laughs> this is service true. you this know is definitely true. if if we got mischarged on our cell phone bill for instance right uh-huh. um, if I am calling somebody that's uh, that's let's say the customer service representative and I don't really believe in the cause, right? Let's say somebody else, maybe you say, Hey, I want you to go. I want you to call them and I want to get our money back for this thing. If I don't feel entirely on board with the cause, I think maybe, maybe we're overreacting or maybe it's not that big of a deal. And I don't have that inner confidence to call them up and tell them that I want my money back. I I shouldn't be built for this. I'm always not very successful because (laughs) I don't sound like I've got authority. You can kind of hear in my voice that I'm a little bit timid. I don't really have the arguments within me. But now if you are absolutely confident that the justice of your cause is unquestionable Mm -hmm. and you call up people, I've, I've seen you, you know, pull all sorts of miracles out. I mean, sometimes (laughs) it'll take you a couple hours if you're talking to a cell phone company or, well, that was, that was a nightmare. But when you do that, 
you're not normally you're you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. I mean, where where do you where do you get that ability to all of a sudden have this public speaking presence and you know and deep confidence? Well, and it's just a knowing that I was you know like charged incorrectly. Or, so you know the facts. Yes. Yeah, so I know. Yeah, I know the facts. I know. I know how it should be, and you know, and then basically say this is where it went wrong, and you need to reverse this. This this right. isn't a fair charge. Right. So, and and then when obviously then they see that yes, this is how it went. So then it happens, right? Yeah, yeah, and they they eventually just see because you've both you know you're both strong in in coming at the the problem, but you're also probably right. You know, and I, I also think this re- relates a little bit to a few lines in the Tao Te Ching that are really hard to translate or hard to understand what he's doing. And, and maybe I'm misunderstanding it. It's hard to know. But every once in a while, Lao Tzu will say something that is obvious, hard to execute, mm. but obvious. And he'll say, how do I know this to be true? Like, like this. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just says, it's, it's just true. It's, it's, it's self-evident if you stare at it long enough. And... And that's, I think, partly what Jesus does. Now, Jesus teaches things we never would have expected. He teaches things that are the opposite of what society expects. Mm -hmm. But if you have an ear to hear, you know, if you really listen to what he's saying, sometimes you realize that it is also self-evident. It's revelation for for the Christian church, but it's also often going to be self-evident. Don't worry about tomorrow, he says, because tomorrow's got enough, you know, trouble of its own. You know, or today, he says, has enough... um, Stuff to worry about, Mm yeah, yeah. And if you think about that, you realize, well, yeah, I guess that's right. If I did that, I would be a little bit more at peace today. It's hard to do, right? But he does. He does seem to know something, and and not everybody speaks this way. Definitely, yeah. So one of the other important important points uh, of this passage is the fact of the placement. What's Mm. the context here? And we are far from the Cosmopolitan Center. We are in Galilee, right? Mm. There's fishermen. It's your everyday people. It's Podunkville. <laughs> and he gets pushed out into a, a boat, mm-hmm. and he's going he's gonna to teach them from a boat. So he's not in a building, right? He's not in a lecture hall. Nope. You know, I mean, even some of the classic teachers like Aristotle, you know, is going to walk around in, in Athens, and yet that still is this kind of, you know, he's got a little swagger as he's doing it or, you know, you, you might have a non-traditional place where you're teaching, but Jesus is doing this where people are all just doing their thing. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, you've got to get your mind into this. You, you know, smell the sea and the salt and the, and the fish drying and, and the, the noises of, you know, people who are working. They're probably not, you know, the, the mildest mannered. They're, you know, these are guys probably joking with each other as they're bouncing around. So Jesus jumps into this boat and he's kind of kicking off into the water. And you see, I think, in the really the first time here, Jesus is a little bit playful. Now, I think Jesus was more playful than the Gospels let on sometimes, or at least the way we get the Gospels to us. But I think he's kind of being playful here. He's, he's hanging out with the buddies. And he pushes out and he says, all right, let me tell you some stuff. Now, just the very act of this guy starting to give a sermon in a place that, you know, maybe you're not expecting a sermon. Right. Now, that's a thing. He's not doing the bullhorn thing in the middle of town. He's, he's talking to his friends and he's calling them to a new way of doing things. And the first disciples that he calls are everyday folks, right? They're not, yeah. they aren't. You know they're not they're not rich they're not powerful, <laughs> you know they're, they're not yep. famous. Yep. So they're everyday people. Money, power, glory, none of that. Right, and 
these disciples, they decided to leave everything yeah. to follow Jesus. I mean, explain a little bit too, because, you know, with the, paint the picture with the fish and, and yeah. what's happening. They, they had fished all night, didn't catch anything, right? Their yeah. livelihood depends well, so on many them catching people, fish. So many people live with this kind of anxiety. Am I going to be able to bring something home to the family? Am I going to be able to be, in this case, a man that's able to not be weak, not be helpless, but, you know, can I be successful? And if you think about it, you know, what do you pray for? You know, you pray for your daily bread. But these, these cats are probably thinking, if they pray, when they get up in the morning, they're saying desperately, the one thing that I need is my ship to come in here. I need, I need a big payoff. If you're, you know, a real estate agent, you haven't made a sale in a while. You're saying, I just got to sell that house. I got to close on that house. So I can be a hero for my family. And these guys were not. No, They, they were going to have to go night. home yeah, to their wife and kids and say, sorry, we, we didn't pull it off. We're, we're not only not going to have a lot of food here maybe, but we're not going to be able to be, uh, you know, standing well economically. And so Jesus when, tells them yeah. to put their nets out there and then he fulfills their wildest dreams, right? Yeah. Probably the thing that they pray for every day. Every day. And they have it in such abundance. But did they care about those fish? No. no, they walked away from all of it to follow Jesus. Now, that is amazing. And I think that's an indication of what authority looks like. When, you know, dear listener, you think about it yourself. What is that one thing, that, that one material thing that you really wish you could have? Could you get that degree? Could you get accepted to that college? You know, could you marry that person? What are those, those big needs? And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and he just kind of tosses it to him. Like, hey, well, if you want that. <laughs> yeah, here it is. You know, if it's you want fish, we can do that, you know. But what it does is it, it says, well, Jesus isn't all that interested or he's not all that impressed with the, with the highfalutin folk back in Jerusalem. That's not, that's not where it's at. He's not calling those kinds of people. So in not worrying too much about the, the temple, Mm-hmm. And not worrying about the people with with money, wealth, and power, he is he is he's kind of rejecting that. But he's also not saying that the that the things that people are afraid of and worried about every day are also all that important. There was this other thing that he wanted to do, and and that led him to say, "Now let's go do this." Right. And why? And why? Why was Jesus such a revolutionary, uh, you know, figure? In this, in this regard, he's, he's basically saying that, A, as he is leading people along in this, in this new way, in this new kingdom he's going to talk about, not only is he not concerned with these things, he's kind, of, he's kind of playing down the importance of those things themselves. He's, in, in a way, challenging those mm. things. He's saying, you know, I know everybody thinks that the temple's a big deal. And sometimes when people come and ask him, about worship, they're saying, hey, should we worship on this hill or that hill? You know, is, is this the, the special place? Is this the special building? Is this place holy? He's, he's in this stinky place with these, I assuming, I'm assuming stinky people. And he says, this is the place. The, the idea that you could have the true faith or the true way outside of institutions, outside of hierarchies, not that those aren't important in some way or not that they're totally invalid or that you're going to reject those people. He just didn't give that a lot of attention. Well, and, and a lot of times those things were sort of the oppressive forces in people's life. Yeah. And so what, what Jesus was basically 
saying is is that like there's a, there's a new way to look at this. You are free from mm-hmm. some of this. Yeah, right? and it's and it's right here. And so it's he, us. and he says the kingdom. Yeah, it's actually here in this community. It's yeah. not, and and in the temple. Isn't the building, right? Yeah. Or as we used to do it in Sunday school, you know, this is the church. Or no, you got to do it this way. You got to start <laughs> friends. You got to put your hands out like this. Then you close it up. This is the church. Do it with me, baby. Okay. <laughs> this is the church. Uh, Here's the steeple. Okay. There's Open the, the doors. And see and all, see the, all the, people. the people. He's saying <laughs> that the people is the thing. Right. You know, and that the presence is in the people. And, and doesn't he say, so first Jesus says that, uh, that, Jesus is, his body is the temple, right? In yeah. John chapter two, verse 19. What's, what's really going on is that we need to turn our attention to the presence of God that is not in a temple, you know, built with hands. It's amongst the people. And he even says, you know, if, if you're going to gather together, there I am with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that presence is in the midst of the community of people, well, cause then he goes, even lowly people. Then it becomes that saying that, then these people are the body of Christ, right? All of the followers are the body, body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's, and that's in Paul. First you know, Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Now, most of the time we're looking directly at Jesus, but I think that Paul there is really in line with what Jesus is implying here by not starting his ministry, you know, in the place where you would expect it. Right. So given that, now you've, so he's taken, you can, you can teach this message, with this authority, without these titles, right? outside of the official buildings that yep. have been known to house this sort of thing, in a fisherman's boat, by the way, yeah. off the shore, and, and going, he went to the people. Right. He didn't say, come into the big city and come listen to me. Yeah. You know, he went to them right where they were, met them right where they were at, and started to teach them. So... Yeah, well, so often the the way that that is reversed for religious communities is, you know, you've got these people outside, and for them to come and get the healing and the teaching, they've got to find their way in, get the secret passwords, clean up their act. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know about any of you, but when I'm mean, for me, even as much as I have attended church, what feels like, I mean, almost all my, my entire life, many different churches from many different denominations. I'm a little afraid every time I walk into a new church, not every church, but some <laughs> churches, there's a lot of churches that, yeah. you know, yeah, not always, but people you, are kind of looking at you, but you and, don't you know. know which door do I go in. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're looking, you know, so, you know, it may not be as obvious, like exactly where you're, you're going to meet. In fact, there have been some churches that are even older that maybe have a couple different spots. And so what looks like the traditional area where the pews and stuff <laughs> would be, you know, is not right. where they're meeting anymore. You know, right. there's like a, some side building or whatever that has or, a, you or know. a big, it could go both ways, right? <laughs> there's a big gym where everybody meets and then you find yourself alone in some little chapel right? or there used to be a big church going on and now they're all meeting in a side room, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, and then even I, you know, I'm, I, when it comes to communion, a lot of times too, I'm like praying that I don't end up being the first person in the line when they break off, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause like I like to follow somebody. So I just understand what, you know, what, it, how it normally works at this particular church. Cause sometimes people kneel, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't some, you know, sometimes something is going to come around to you, <laughs> you know, we've what, been having the wafers and wine for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm a professor of theology and I am pretty well versed in a lot of different traditions. I know, you know, how people do things, the liturgical cats and the low church cats and the folks who like to stand up and the people who like to kneel. But I find myself making mistakes all the time. And then I wonder, 
Oh man, did is this a church where I, I I need to make sure that I've talked to somebody? I didn't meet anybody, and then if I don't go up, you know, to communion or, or that sort of thing, right? And and a lot of people in other traditions, for instance, um, not the one we're in in right now, but when we were younger, a lot of the time people were always worried if I go to communion, and people know that I have some you know some sin, some sin in my life, am I going to be a hypocrite? Are people going to be mad at me? Or if you aren't, you know, necessarily a a person that goes to that church. I mean, it could be if you go to an Eastern Orthodox church or a Roman Catholic church or many Lutheran Church, Missouri synods, uh, synod churches, you're not supposed to have communion. You're not quite sure, you right. know, how to how, how to well, vouch for yourself. That's, or, that's yeah, that's the other funny thing because sometimes you know we'll opt not to have communion just out of respect either for their service or because or become we we came late because we, or yeah like, we're just you know we unsure so we figure okay well but then it's like people look like well what's wrong, what's with, wrong with us or what's wrong with you that you're not yeah. you know communion so it's just this this head, but all all of that to say if you are somebody that's not even this isn't a part of your normal tradition yeah to get to be have the courage <laughs> to come into a building somebody else's home yeah. and space to worship for the first time or even just check it out I mean, yeah, we're not trying to be in-house about this and get all churchy. It's to say that that Jesus is not doing it right, though. It's as if he's having communion out in the park, mm-hmm. it, to, use, right. you know, to use the metaphor. And maybe he's not even using <laughs> the right materials. And I don't want to get into all that. It's just that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of times when we, I think, we get afraid. And Jesus wasn't afraid. And Jesus wasn't afraid, and people weren't quite sure why he thought that he had the right to talk and act the way he did. That was the thing that was both startling and kind of a, a mark of his unique character. And maybe something was pretty interesting about what he was up to. But I really appreciate the fact that Jesus did meet the people where they were at. Yeah. There's, that's a powerful message. So then yeah. you think about that. Went to them. Now, <laughs> why church, right? Yeah. Um, you know, why go to a church? I, I think there's some really good reasons why you still mm. would go to a church. Basically, there's there is that sense of community when when you feel that you know the pastor is able to like share that he's got this you know the authority of of the gospel. He actually you know he is the te- you know the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is something very comforting in that place and being around these people mm-hmm. that all want to come together in community. Yeah, let me give you an example. Uh, the, uh, the the monk. Uh, Father Trifon, Abbot Trifon from from Washington. I sometimes talk about him. He looks like Santa Claus with the you know Eastern Orthodox outfit, right? And uh, every once in a while, if I was you know if I'd be having a bad day, and and he was uh, coming to the college where um, where we were, he would sometimes look at me and he kind of see a little bit of stress in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, liberal arts education is difficult. You know, you're always worried. I was an administrator at the time, so I'm worried about you know the enrollment and all this. And he would just come over and he'd look at me. And he'd say, you know, there's so much more heaven than hell. You're so, you're so terrified and you don't need to be. And he'd give me a big old hug, yeah. okay? Now, I don't know where he cut, gets off thinking that he knows what's going on in my soul. <laughs> and I don't know what kind of authority he's got to tell me. And he's, a, he's anti-clerical. That means he's not saying that he has some authority within the Eastern Orthodox world. Um, his authority was he knew something about what Jesus brought. And he was passing it on to me. Mm-hmm. It, it was as simple as that. He's not saying, come, and he never, he never tried to convert me to orthodoxy or anything like this. It was just through his, his very presence. 
it was a very he's a very unique individual. I've only met you know a few people like that where they were kind of just so obviously carrying something within them. Right. Do we do we usually from all the churches that we've ever been to? Do we usually hear from the pastor that uh, we don't have to go to church? I think this is this is really for for you, the good listener. One of the main reasons we want to address this, and that is. Church can be good for you. And, and by this, we mean the people that are gathered, that are called out of Molex world, called out of a world that is judging each other based on, on false criteria, success, you know, their attractiveness, their, their ability to contribute to some bigger machine. You know, um, the, the church is this group of people that's saying, you know what? We're going to love each other unconditionally. If you need to be with people who call you brother or sister, if you're lonely, you know, and if you, if you don't have that, that sense of unconditional love, there's something very important about getting into a place where people are going to pass that on. They're mm-hmm. going to give you a, a word of peace. They're, they're either literally or at least hopefully in their lives going to think of you as a brother or sister. They're your family. Well, you need to find something like that. Right. You know, you need community. We are, we are people that are meant to be in community. Now, the problem is because that's such a deep need in people, it gets mis- misused all the time. Mm. I mean, that's why religious, uh, bad religious wolves can exploit us because we need that. And I think that's, you know. And sometimes it comes across that you need to go to church to stay in God's good graces. Ah, yes. So you need it. Like you need a vacation. <laughs> you need it like you need to get nine hours of sleep. Right. It's good for you right. to have to that community. Find support, find peace, find rest. Mm-hmm. But it's not there so that you don't suffer in hell for all eternity. Yeah. Like, and nobody really tells you this because it's not in their financial best interest to say you don't need to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but that's the weird thing, right? Do you go somewhere because you, you, you sense that you have this need? Like sometimes we, if we haven't been able to, to go and, and work out for a while or haven't taken a walk, we say, I need to get that walk in. Oh, when we did yoga today, it was like, I yeah. need yoga. We yeah, had, we hadn't done it. Like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I needed that. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I'm going to go to hell if I don't get my weekly yoga thing right. in, that would be oppressive. I'd start to really resent it. Mm-hmm. And if that's the way you're thinking about your religious community, and we're using church, but it could be anything. If somebody, right. if you, if somebody's given you the the sense that what this this gray haired dude in the sky wants you to do is make sure you you do at least three stanzas of songs to him, that's kind of that's kind of creepy, right? Like like if your grandma says you need to come and sing Happy Birthday, but you need to do five you know stanzas of it, or else I won't love you and I won't be your grandma. Well, that's not the kind of grandma no, I want, you know. No. And that's not the kind of you're going to do it out of obligation. Yeah. It's never going to be out of love. It yeah. just can't. It, it it gets it becomes a transaction. Now I'll say it's not only that some people give you the impression that you need to go to church or else. They sometimes will say it, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll, they'll straight up and, and, and tell you this. And I mean, I, it depends on the tradition. And I think sometimes people actually might worry that their congregants would go to hell. If yeah, they, if that's they, what I'm saying. I think they yeah. actually think it. Mm-hmm. And man, that's, that's such a shame. And then that leads back to that thing we've always been talking about is that nothing good comes out of actions that are based on fear of punishment or hope of reward. Correct. We need to have an intrinsic joy in this. And when you have that intrinsic joy, well, then you... you 
you, you want to get a couple, right? So when, when people really like yoga, if you get all-you-can-eat yoga, if you get a, uh, you know, a month subscription or what is it, a, a month membership to a, to a yoga studio, you, know, you might say, hey, I, I really enjoy this. I'm going to go tomorrow too, and I'm going to go early in the morning. What if your religious community were like that if it's not already, right? I mean, if, you, if you're looking for some kind of meaningful experience and community, look for that kind of community that when, when it's over, you're saying, man, I really, I'm really glad I did that. And when you're missing it, you say, I really need to get back there. Right, and I say the same goes with the church like that and the community, the same thing about the pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, do you actually need a pastor or right. a guru or a priest or a master? Yeah. It's... It's one of those things where there's a difference between the the pastor that says you need me versus you're saying I need that pastor, mm-hmm. right? There are moments in your life where you need somebody like your pastor in your life mm-hmm. that's going to offer you a certain level of support or guidance or, you know, uh, teachings that you need to hear that you want, you you know that I need this. Jesus preaching unauthorized from no pulpit in a boat. Is, I need that. Is, yeah, I need that. <laughs> and, I'm, and it's partly saying, too, that, that it's the kind of thing that you couldn't, you don't have membership roles. You're not, no one's checking in on you, you know, to mm-hmm. check in on your attendance. You're not trying to do, you know, earn merit in heaven by sitting on a hard pew for, for as long as you can. It's, it's none of that. No. And, I mean, you don't see Jesus anywhere saying that you, you have to go to some specific song and dance for God to love you. That's just not it at all. And, and unfortunately, you know, I understand people want to put that pressure on because very often, especially in the West, church has become so entrepreneurial. Mm. I, I like to think of it as the, the robot church monster where you've got this big beast and no one's really doing this on purpose. I mean, everybody's kind of a victim of this thing. Even the pastors, you know, even the, it, the second church yeah, it, administrator. It, kinda, it, it can kind of create itself because yeah. first you, you start off with the church or whatever, then it needs to be, you know, more people come and hey, it let's needs, build a bigger you building. Need to, you need to build, you know, and then all of a sudden those bills come in for the, the building that you build. Oh, we got a loan. <laughs> and, and so, so now you got this big, let's say you got this big church and it's like, it's now not even, it's like a mega org. It's like the super organism. And it requires a certain amount of money to make ends meet each month. And if you're a responsible person, a, a church elder or, or, or whatever it is, you know, uh, even a, a yoga studio owner or something, you might you might look around and say, "Oh no, there's empty spaces here," yeah. and that empty space is kind of like having an em- like no battery in the thing. So you're you're kind of going out and saying evangelism. Evangelism is the answer, but it's not the idea that we're saying, "Oh, I got to go out and and just exude this love that I have found, this joy that I have found, this meaning." It, it, we sometimes say that, but really what it is is we need all you people to go out and drag other people in here. To make sure. So that they can the tithe. Seats are and again, no one's doing this with bad intentions. They're trying to keep the building going. But it's, it's not a matter of people's inner um, healing and, 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 and joy. It's the lights. It's the heat. Yeah. <laughs> and so we start to turn our attention from the message. And this is the death spiral of, of religious communities where – you think what you're doing is trying to draw people in, but then it's off-putting. Now, all of a sudden, religion's kind of like multi-level marketing, sales pitch, you know? And, and really, if anybody's, if anybody's really coming on with a hard sell saying, you got to come here, mm-hmm. it's not an invitation, but really a, a pitch, I would be, you know, pretty skeptical yeah. about that. Any guru who says, you can't, 
you can't really get the magic except for my trademarked version of it. I don't like that. Anybody who's got too many trademark, you know, things and 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 has like a special language for it. I mean, this is why, for instance, with yoga, Bikram yoga, you know, we've we've been chatting with folks that had been through it, but you know, it's yoga, okay, that has a, a very old tradition, and maybe Bikram Chowdhury was good at it, for instance, uh, who you can find out more of, about him. He's got a documentary that's very um, unpleasant to, you know, kind of learn about some of the things that he was up to. He's bad. But the idea is, you know, people got this idea, if you want to go to yoga, you need to go to a studio that has his name, the Bikram Yoga. So it's like he's trying to copyright, he's trying to copyright this thing that has this ancient Past, set of roots, yes. right? And, and sometimes I like to joke with my Roman Catholic friends, like they, they copyrighted or they trademarked the word Catholic, which just means the universal church. And even as uh, C.S. Lewis once said, it's kind of an oxymoron to say Roman Catholic because it's either Catholic, that means it's universal, or Roman, that's, you know, Roman. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, so they, they copyrighted that. Meanwhile, the, the Eastern Church co- copyrights the word Orthodox, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, well, what, is, what, what on earth is that? Orthodox <laughs> means the true teaching. Catholic. So you can't, but you, you, Catholic is universal, right? right. Like it's so like... the universal true teaching, but they're two different brands. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Coke and Pepsi, but really it's... it's um, it's, it's quite funny when you think about it. And then you've got all the Protestants who originally were called evangelicals. Well, evangelical means people of the good news, of the true good news. So you've got, if you're supposed to be a follower of Jesus, you should have the true straight teaching. That's orthodoxy. You should be Catholic in the sense that you've embraced the entirety. You're not a little sect or a cult. Mm-hmm. And you should have the good news. We all should be those things right. if you're a follower of Jesus. And yet each of those groups has kind of trademarked it or, or tried to see it as their own you know, private property. Anytime somebody says that they are the only people that have the pipeline to the holy, um, boy, you've got you to really watch out for that kind of thing. Because that's, that's actually the mark of you know, kind of hustlers in business too, right. you know. Also, alternatively, because we were talking about how, you know, the churches, if it grows and it needs to keep bodies in there or whatever, you might be tempted um, to to just try to force people there, keep them there. Yeah. But there's also the integrity of the pastor when he is afraid to lose people mm-hmm. by what he needs to, you know, saying what he needs to say. Yeah, that's you know, an unfortunate part of it. That yeah. can be that can be a scary thing too. Yeah, there there could be some really powerful message that they'd have, but they're going to just make it soften it a little bit because yeah. they don't want to upset, you know, yeah. a couple of the folks because they really want to keep <laughs> keep everybody happy. So it becomes benign, but not very powerful sometimes. <laughs> right now. You know, taking risks sometimes is going to be what helps you to really grow a movement, right? But the the danger is that if you if you tick off the wrong people, it could be the end of not the movement, maybe, but certainly the end of your career or your uh, ability to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of this is Jesus's holiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Peter was afraid, you wild? know, in a way. It was like Jesus, almost like as if Jesus could see through him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, it's like when somebody, em, you know, just embodies the the spirit of the Holy Spirit, like there's a way in which, and like you said, Father Trifon kind of, mm-hmm. he could see right through that you were fearful of something, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're in the presence of, uh, if you were in the presence of Jesus, you would realize that like, there's something special here. Like he, mm-hmm. he exudes something that makes you realize, oh, I'm not. I'm not holy enough to be in your presence. I, 
I am a terrible, you know, I'm a terrible mm-hmm. person. Like I, I don't deserve to be here. Yeah, friends, think this through because this is really, this is really important. A lot of the time, the religious wolves want to make you feel bad about yourself. They want to tell you how you're naughty or nasty or disgusting or something like that. If you're around people that are judgy, that's one kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's usually a sign that you shouldn't really trust that person. And, and you'd say, well, wait, wait, don't we have the, the right and actually the obligation to uphold the truth? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but notice Jesus doesn't make people act that way. No. Jesus doesn't give people the sense that they're in trouble or they've been busted. It's just that self-awareness that says, I have seen something that's pure. I have seen integrity. I have seen real holiness. And you don't have to hear Jesus saying anything. You instantly know, oh, I, I better behave. It's not better behave. No, but- I, I'm embarrassed by comparison. Right. Yeah. According to the white, mm-hmm. it looks so, you know. Stacy's definitely- trying to be nice to me. You're referring to the example I used to give to students until I thought better of it that I'd say, my teeth look white right now, but then I would take a piece of white paper and I would hold it up against them and then my teeth look really nasty yellow, right? right? Because right. of all the, the same thing. cigars and the, the coffee I drink. But um, the other thing too is Jesus responds with, don't be afraid. Yeah. You know, rather than you sinful, you know, you sinful man, get away from me mm-hmm. or you depart from me or something, or you're yeah. not holy enough. No, he says, do not be afraid. Let me give you an example of this one. Uh, another friend, Micah. Whenever I'm with Micah, I feel a little bit embarrassed because I see all of the ways in which his integrity leads him to make sacrifices sometimes for the purity of his, of his poetry or his music. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I take my risks and, and, uh, and I, I generally try to do what I think I should do. But Micah always just reminds me that there is a boldness, there is, there is a sincerity that seems that seems risky, but instantly shows itself to be, be integrity. Mm-hmm. And yet when I then express, man, I, you know, we, we, we were talking with them in, in Nashville when we saw him about, you know, some, some questions and some, some things we were going to turn down just because it didn't feel right. You know, it wasn't like evil things or bad things. Just, you know, just wasn't really where our heart was at. And, and, you know, he said, you know, and he was kind of, he was understanding towards us. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, he wasn't saying, no, you should be just like me. He, he had the compassion to say, I understand that sentiment that, that you, you know, you would like that security for taking that opportunity. But, and he respected us. And I think ultimately, you know, acknowledged that maybe that's not what we should do. But he didn't, he didn't say, hey, look, I'm, I'm woke or I'm, you know, I'm better than you because of the choices I've made. He just made those choices and those choices inspired us to make better choices. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're looking for in, in, in any religious teacher because it's good to have a mentor. Mm-hmm. You just don't want a person that you always have to ask permission um, from, you know, to, who you're, who you're going to marry or whether you, you can sleep in on a Sunday. You know, we were, when we were at the farm, we mentioned this on a, a show last season, but remember, I really liked that, that when we were at the farm, there was a young woman who said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not going to be at the 7.30 thing because I'm going to sleep in. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's the first thing after 9.30 in breakfast? And that is, again, that kind of boldness that I think is really important for people to have in any religious context, in any social context. You 
are going to try to be respectful of what the, the mores are, but you're not going to let people start to guilt you into to doing what they want you to do so that you're not really free about, about right. where you spend your time. Plus, I also want to mention to you, you also have turned down a few of the speaking opportunities, but not because you didn't want oh, yeah, to or your heart wasn't there. No, no, no. It's largely, you're like, listen, watch me do some of these studies yeah. and then see if you still want me out. This is because- a good time to, to advertise uh, or at least to announce one thing. If you, go to, uh, if you go to our website, you can contact us. You can also go to jeffmallinson.com where uh, you can see speaking events that I might have in the future. And there's a form where you can book me to speak and you could book Stacy really through that if you want or contact us or have us come do a workshop. But um, for a lot of the last couple months, I've been turning down stuff and turning down opportunities from really uh, good friends and people I really liked, not because I don't want to be a part of what they're doing or to share my teaching with their group. It's that I want to be able these next six months to be able to let people see what Stacy and I are up to with this Protect Your Noggin mm-hmm. uh, Bible study and, and the other things we're doing with the podcast so that if you book me now, I'm not going to come in June and I'll tick off the people in your circles such that you're going to have to have this hard conversation <laughs> with me because yeah. this happens all the time. And you don't like to disappoint yeah. people. You no, no. Like, you don't want to cause people pain. There, there have been times when people said, hey, I want you to come out and speak and, and, and you know, it was a you know, good deal. You know, it was like, oh, totally worth it. I'll, I'll come out. That's great. You're paying me right. Um, it's, a, it's a big event, so I can, you know, be able to meet a lot of people. That's great. But then, you know, I say something on a podcast or, or you know, I write a blog and, and, and somebody says, you know, we're not comfortable with this. We want somebody a little tamer. <laughs> and as the philosopher Angus Manoj once said, I like that Mallinson. He said it in his British accent. <laughs> he said, I like that Mallinson, but uh, he's not a He's not a he's tame, not tame. Yeah, he's not a tame guy. Yeah. And I took that as a compliment, whether he <laughs> whether he thought of it or not like that. But at the same time, what Micah said is that he'll speak anywhere as long as he can say what he needs to say. Yeah. He's not going to <laughs> kind of jag or, 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 or zig or zag in the way that we are in this one sense, and that is that we're coming up with some new things that are challenging the way education is done in religious communities. So if you're bringing me out and I'm going to talk to religious educators or, you know, K through 12 parochial school teachers, you know, I want to come and talk to you, but I want you to be able to know what you're getting, you know, in the next few uh, months so that you can kind of see we're, we're going to hit a nice plane. You know, it's like when you're water skiing, it's Mm -hmm. that first part is hard. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be able to get up on those skis. So everybody sees this is what we're up to. We're not out to hurt anybody. We're not out to dismantle everything. There's some things we'd love to dismantle, bad things we'd love to dismantle. Um, but, but we want to make sure that people kind of know what, what we're about. Yes. I think, um, so that's kind of an overview of a lot of the main points of the study. I mean, if you, mm. if you want the whole study, then that, you know, there's more points in there. Yep. Go to protectyournoggin.org and then you can find out how you could actually get the chapter and you can go through it. I just have a couple of the questions though, that I took from the study that we can yep. discuss. And um, again, in our study, one of the key things is to look at those questions at the end of each chapter and really make that what your conversation's about. Right. Focus in on that text that we have, what's the, what's the text from Jesus, and then focus in on these questions. Letting people decant. Let that question really... Marinate, yes. wrestle with it. Don't, and maybe, you know, if it's just quick, pat answers, yeah. you're not really going to get to the meat of you know, what, what, is, what is there. If, in, you're, if you're an educator, I would say maybe consider playing, playing five minutes of music. Or if, you know, if you're in a church context, you could actually play you know, some music, but instrumental or meditative 
or or have some just silent reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really important. So the first question uh, says, to what extent have you found meeting with other religious people helpful? Mm. And then there's the, the follow-up, the, the other side too, to what extent is unhelpful? We've talked on previous shows about how sometimes we've been harmed by religious right. communities. So we'll, we'll just... We'll skip that part. Yeah, but, for our purposes. But the, the helpful part, I mean, even today, we had an amazing day. Yeah. We went to Hope LA. Yep. Uh, they have... The Hope Kitchen the Hope, in the morning. Yeah. Yep. So... They prepare meals, and we were right alongside yeah, them. Real, like healthy stuff, which healthy I thought was really nice. That we go out into the community, and we pass out to homeless people. Yeah. And, and then after, everybody joins together for the, the service, and then another little break, and then we follow it up with a, the with a yoga session afterwards. And The first time I've ever done yoga in a in church. A, in, a, in a church, and yeah. it was so delightful because we moved the chairs away, and I'm there in church yeah. laying on my back looking at stained glass. It was a thing, and you could hear motorcycles go by, but uh, Matthew, the guy who does it, he plays classical guitar yeah, really well, yeah. and so it was, uh, it was, it was quite a thing. And I, what I loved about this this group it, it it definitely felt like this is this is the community they all gather together they all mm. come together they People want from different walks of life yeah. but they're bringing their creative stuff everything that they want to to share with this with this community we're all getting together we at one point we all at the end you know joined in a circle mm-hmm. and, and held hands there was in a, a, a send off prayer but it that didn't was the, I, that's normally the kind of thing I don't want to do I, I don't want to hold hands and I was so happy to hold hands yes. I normally I sometimes get uncomfortable about that that part of church of passing the peace where I got to yeah. go you know get around like who how many people do I have to pass the peace to and then can I sit back down not because I don't like people but just like socially it's mm-hmm. sometimes uncomfortable and at this church, it's very small congregation, yes. and so. But the beauty of but every- everybody, everybody, you get to hug yeah. everybody. Yeah. If you go to our if you go to our website, we'll have a video that you can that you can uh, see that's going to be linked to Matthew, who was the guitar player mm-hmm. and the the yoga instructor, who um, who did a documentary about this guy, the Crenshaw. Cowboy. cowboy. Yeah. yeah. So Crenshaw, you know. And we met him today. We, we met him met today. Cren- yeah, the Crenshaw cowboy. And then cowboy. we saw the video. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And he had just done the video last night, you know, as we're recording this. He just he just put it up. And this guy is homeless, but he does all this art right there yeah, on Crenshaw Boulevard. Yeah, he's all about and positivity. And, and Interstate he, 10. And he has all these signs that he, you know, writes uplifting messages. And he's like this, you know, kind of the, the Lao Tzu of, uh, of Crenshaw Boulevard. <laughs> yes. So that's that's... That was something we needed, and, yeah. I, and I felt it, it just. I feel so. It, it was so uplifting to be a part of this, you know. And this is and this is what you know. I want. This is the that the temple of the Holy Spirit was there. It, yeah, know? it was. Like, so there was a building. Yes, but the temple of the Holy Spirit were, were those people in the community where I saw the kind of beaming out of them. The first time we had gone, it just started. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know our, our friend s- Heather had said you know we're, we're going to clip, clip some flowers and bring them in so it felt like kind of home. But then they realized that they weren't as comfortable you know coming in. Plus, I wouldn't be. A lot of them had a hard time walking away from where they were and getting yeah. to the location was part of it. Right. Isn't this like Jesus? Right. <laughs> then go out there. Yeah. If you're wondering like, well, what do I do for church? growth or how do I get don't go out there and try to drag people into your building to prove that you're you're doing the right thing use the building as your base camp for the missions that well, you that you go out into they, the world with. and they use the same 
kind of boxes. So even though it's different people that will be delivering mm-hmm. the food and then they know some of the areas, but the some smiles of the people, on people's faces, they recognize the box and then like, Oh, thank you guys. Because it's something that they're doing. It's because they're developing these relationships and because they're not asking for anything in return. Mm-hmm. The, you know, what Heather said is, look, they're, they're not um, likely ever really to, to get off the streets. They're going to die on the streets and they're not going to come to church. Right. And, it's just a gift. And, and I, I, I wasn't stressed this morning. Yeah. I wasn't filled with anxiety this morning about all the things we got to do next week. It was just this moment. It's kind of like that classic Sabbath where the idea of Sabbath isn't you're not allowed to have fun on Sunday or Saturday, <laughs> depending on your tradition, or Friday. But, you know, you, it's not that you're not allowed to have fun. It's that I, I stopped all the other stuff. We weren't looking at our Twitter, right. you know, we were just <laughs> there with people. And then after we did that, we came back and we, and we heard beautiful music yeah. and it was just, it was, oh man, it was so good, you know? Absolutely. And yeah. So, but I'm not saying that that's, you know, the kind of experience that you want. Maybe, maybe you just can't go into a church right now because of, because of the way churches have treated you. And that's part of it. Right. We're not trying to trick you Mm-mm. into going to church. We're saying that sometimes it's, the case that you've seen so many of the same kind of churches, maybe you went to a liberal version and a conservative version of basically the same kind of church. Mm-hmm. You know, people just like you, not sure exactly why they're there, a little bit bored, you know. Uh, that's not the only kind of thing. There's all sorts of different kinds of things. You, you don't have to always be living in guilt because you're not showing up to something that you, you, know, you thought you were going to go to. Go where you are getting that peace, good news. If it sounds like good news, that's good. If it doesn't sound like good news... Then what are you wasting your time for? Go, you know, when you get up in the morning, you should go, uh, you know, bicycle or something. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to the next question. It says, reflect on your own life. And do you expect your religious leaders to be responsible for your faith? <laughs> you know, I think it's, a, it's often far too easy for us to expect somebody else, somebody that's, you know, been trained in this or whatever, to be totally in charge <laughs> of mm-hmm. the only thing that you are going to hear. You are in charge of you. You (laughs) have to answer for yourself. Also, there's another aspect of this. And at what, you know, at what point also do we expect our our spiritual leaders to to entirely run the church or that community? Thank you for looking out in compassion for the religious leaders. They're working hard. Yeah. And if it, but if it's not, if it's not a community, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's the whole point. You can't rely on one or a few support people to carry staff, the yeah. whole thing. And it, it, it just, it will be that you plop in, you hear a lesson and you go home. Yeah. That's all it will be. It's not, that's not the life changing message that Jesus was mm-hmm. teaching. That's not the life giving yeah. thing that's going to make you want to stop right what you're doing in your tracks. I just thought of something, Stacey, because we're not, I, I, we just came back from church. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're, you know, it's fresh on our minds. But, you know, so we're not, again, we're not trying to, to just get you to go somewhere that, that we're, we're going to. It's that I just realized there's not a pastor there in the traditional sense. They have a pastor that oversees them, but he's yeah. only able to come like yeah. every once every so many weeks. Now, right? every time we show up, it happens to be the one fifth of the time that he happens to be there. <laughs> but it's, it's you, you don't, you don't, even he doesn't 
kind of come across as saying, "Hey, I'm this I'm is the mine. Guy. Yeah. This is my church, and no. you are all." There's yeah. there's some some uh, woman from France that says, "You know what? I want to do I want to do a community choir." So she just shows up, and she's now she's doing the music thing, and then and then you know I want to do a video. I want to do. Uh, yoga afterwards. We're well, going to start the, the and food the idea thing. And everybody's the, the church. Yeah, and, the, and the idea of even Hope Kitchen came because of one of the members saying, I want to do something here. Yeah. you know. And everybody's like, yeah, this is great. And they pitch in. Yeah, you let's know? do that. And, and it's a lot easier to, to, to get up in the morning early and, and make some enchiladas for folks <laughs> yeah. if you do it because it's why you're there as right. opposed to something that somebody else wanted you to do and you got roped into it. And you're not getting the sign-up sheet for next week's yeah. uh, food. <laughs> no, you, know? you know what I mean? I, mean? Like, I want people to do that, but if they're not doing it, don't guilt them right, into it because right. it's not going to last anyway. No, and it, it needs to be – it's a labor it, – I don't like the word labor of love, but it, it's something that you want to do out of love. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's not a labor. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not an obligation. It mm-hmm. is something that you're choosing to be a part of, and that is the beauty of it. It's non-transaction transactional unconditional love if you're doing something to earn points with other people or with the almighty up in the sky then you're just wasting your you're time you're wasting your time yeah yeah so you know i think we had a good day we're tired <laughs> yes, we did <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, you know we got up early and we did a long drive mm-hmm. and we walked around the city and uh, we laid on our backs a little while <laughs> and now the sun has set and uh, friends i hope that whatever time of the the day it is you know, for you, maybe you're trying to fall asleep. Maybe you're just waking up in the morning. We really hope that you have a week filled and lifetime filled of deep peace upon peace. Uh, thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter no too much.